just kidding. So we're back from part we're part two um, of our we got we got us episode with our beautiful and wonderful black male guests, Mr. Xander, short for Alexander, and Mr. Miles. Um, so when we left off, we were specifically talking about um you know why do why do they think or feel that health disparities exist among um the black community or among black men specifically and we got into a lot of um great conversation we are going to slightly shift the gears so we are going to be focusing a lot more on um black men's mental health specifically this episode um as opposed to general health and we're going to be talking a lot about the um sort of social culture pop culture if you will um and how that you know portrays looks at and focuses on black men as well as well as you know how each of y'all may feel when seeing certain things um i know that in previous episodes we've talked about what that looks like when you're consistently on social media seeing um certain things um i believe we talked about that with george floyd specifically um and i shared i don't watch certain videos like that for my own mental health purposes um not that we have to jump into something that heavy but just you know social media as a whole is the alice in wonderland rabbit for lack of a better analogy. So, starting off with question one, Ms. Tichelle, would you like to ask it? Of course, as you know, I would love to, I would be honored. Let me pull up that question one. (laughs) 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 This question is so good. Okay, so this was she kind of first question. And when I read it, I was like, ooh, this is good. Um, I might have already even shared it with Xander, but anyway. So (laughs) the first question we have for this part two, which I think is really um, interesting, is who was the first person who taught you what and how to be a quote unquote man? Okay, so for me, um, the person who taught me to be a quote unquote man was my grandfather. Um, he was the person I spent the most time with. That's something I'm still uh, very grateful about. My parents had to work majority of the days, so um, the person who got me up and took me to school and did all that stuff was my grandfather. Um, and yeah, he was the person. Um, and I always say like the biggest, yeah, the biggest thing that I always say like who taught me how to be a man is like who taught me how to tie a tie or like do those things or like teach you how to ride a bike. And my grandpa was the person who like taught me how to like tie my tie, um, taught me stuff like that. Uh, stuff that I'll remember forever, really like how to dress. I feel like that's like one of the biggest thing when you're putting on like dress clothes, my grandfather was the person that like showed me how to do that, you know? So, it's very challenging to answer that question because I can't just say one person. When you think of, um, and I'm and, and my background is very, it's very, and it's going to be a very very silly silly, um, but you know how you say it takes a, a tribe or a village to raise a child, right? Um, I think certain aspects of being a man, put that in air quotes. However, a lot of people will use that as a as a as a term that you should just know what that means. You, you're a man. Well, what what exact? And you're a black man. What exactly does that mean? The first person to show me was my mother. Um, she was the first person to show me how to dress. Um, she she worked in the uh, big and tall. You know, so she knew she had knew how to dress men quite well, um, and she knew what she wanted. And I started tracking in that direction. So she was the one that taught me how to do the ties and all of that. And then a shift happened when 
um, I started kind of doing what my dad does and just listening to him and and wanting to emulate what I see from him um, on you know how to talk you know how to how to be this this protector of sorts you know and um, the best way I can explain it between my mother uh, my father and my grandmother surprisingly enough um, who would teach me the old school ways of how things were done how to talk to a woman like I got that advice from my grandmother you know uh, which is a huge generation gap but um, she's very spiritual you know and a lot of that feeds into me as a well-rounded person you know I'm not too far left too far right it's just who taught you how to be this individual that's going to change the world one person at a time depending on who you talk to or depending on how um, convincing you are in any sort of conversation you know I don't want I don't want you I don't want to put it out there that oh if you're a man and and correct me if I'm wrong how Mr. Miles how often have you heard well you're a man you should just do a b and c my, my whole life. right and and isn't my that and isn't that just a, a weird double standard? Because if we were to say, well, you're a woman, you should just A, B, and C, then you got the Me Too movement coming out and saying, hey, you know, and, and there's no Me Too movement for men because it's seen as weak or it's seen as, as well, why, you're, you're a guy. Why, why, why does that, why does that <clears throat> matter to you? It's like, because we have mental health issues. We have things that we stress about outside of you know, it's it's no different than than being in the jungle. You gotta be stronger than the next person. You gotta attract. Luckily, you had the ability since preschool to imprint on this young lady here. <laughs> Some of us out here have to, you know, it's oh, I got this much money, oh, I drive this car, or it's like I have these set of skills to lure in a mate, you know, and that takes a that takes a toll on you, and that's how you become. Um, and I really don't want to curse, uh, of course. Um, that's how you become one of those player type of men. Um, or, and you knew, and I think you know what I wanted to say. Um, um, or you become one of those reserves, uh, square, you know, type uh, men that just believe in, in a whole different aspect. You know, and that, and, that, and that takes a toll because you wonder, should I be like them? You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and many conversations me and Miss Wright have had about how men will portray themselves as this gangster, you know, you know, and all of that. And it's like, because we think we're conditioned. That's what women want. Women want to be choked in all of these things and all of this borderline domestic violence because it's it's seen as sensual. masculine exactly and it's yeah. like if you draw why are you drawing that's weird if you if you cook why are you cooking that's a woman's job it's all of these labels and you hit a man with enough labels you will create a broken man and the broken man is going to create a broken child and then three generations later yeah sure. so check on on check in on us just like we check in on the queens, you got to check on the on the kings. We we need counsel. Right. I love that. This is, this is very true, and I I agree with that that, that whole statement. Um, yes. Okay. So one of the questions refers to vulnerability. Um not quite sure which question yes we all and so for the next question right um we know that black men socially I guess um have or it's seen if they're being vulnerable as they are less than or weak and Mm -hmm. so we know that oftentimes it's difficult for black men to be vulnerable in their feelings so I completely applaud Xander for saying you know check in on us we need 
help sometimes. Um, and so our question really comes down to, you know, do you feel that is that changing in society right now or is that getting worse? And if it is one way or the other, in what ways do you see that happening? Um, I don't think it's I think it's definitely probably going to eventually get it's going to get worse just because social media um, like Instagram, there's so much that young men can look at and they can get on Instagram every day and they can be like, my life's nothing like this guy that I, I'm following on Instagram. And so it automatically makes you be like, um, it, it almost makes you be like, is this what, is this what I'm supposed to be? You know? And it gives that, it gives that, uh, pretty much that picture so I, I think like for me as an adult, like I, I've kind of figured out like, you know, who I am and who I want to be. But for a kid who's like 15 years old, that social media definitely is going to put more of a stress um, of what he sees around him. I think kids are, are definitely like sponges. So they see things and they definitely like feel like that's um, what they have to be like. I can definitely say like, I watch social media now and the biggest thing that I, I always am like, there's no way that this is real or, you know, these people's lives can't always be real because you see the way they're living and it's just like, that's not realistic, you know? And I feel like it definitely paints a picture um, to black men of, you know, what they should be. And I also think it can definitely change like stereotypes too, whereas white people view something on social media and they think, well, that's how black people are, you know? <laughs> and so I definitely think that's like the biggest thing that I see happening in the future. And do you feel like it's easier now for you to be vulnerable about your feelings or you feel like that's like a no-go? I think for me with my understanding, I can be vulnerable about the way I feel because I'm not really worried about what people think of me or, or how they're gonna feel. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely think uh, depending on your situation, that could definitely be like, uh, and I mean, it's all like, say I was with not Jasmine, if I was with somebody else who looked at that as weak, my feelings, you know, um, oh, that, would, that would probably be one of those situations. Like, I feel like uh, even women can be like, why is he acting like that? You know, he's being weak. And I think that's, you know, that's a big, a, a lot of times women don't want to be with a man who's, um, you know, too sensitive or they, they want to still feel protected. You know what I mean? So it's that whole, it's, it's that mindset of as a man, like, do I match up with all these things? And for me, I'm, I'm just comfortable being me. Like if I have certain feelings, like I'm going to address them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's that's just how it is for me. Uh, yeah, that's how I look at it. So to capitalize on that, I'm going to have a different approach and it's going to seem very odd, but I'll tell you why. Do you want to know why men make more money than women for doing the same exact job? Because there's this unwritten text line that it, it's a it's a tax almost that men have to be this protector and it's a protector tax and it sounds very weird but if and correct me if i'm wrong miss jasmine mr miles if there is a noise in the house and you're both staring you know sleep babe wake up Who's going to go investigate that noise? Is it going to be Miss Jasmine? No, it's or is it... That's why That's why you get paid more. Because you have a protector. That's what it is. And mind you, I don't believe that there should be. But if there's a monster, you get sacrificed first because she can make more children to carry on a legacy. That's all that is. So when it comes to taking that example and applying it to dating, applying it to mental crabs in a bucket. The reason why there's no lid is because 
there's always going to be someone underneath that's going to pull you down. Social media, um, unless you're a rapper, unless you're selling drugs, unless you're unless you're doing something that is stereotyped, that is what is seen as, so to speak, trendy. Like you said, a 15 year old looks at it and it's like, I got to be like the baby. I got to be. I got to rap. I want to be a SoundCloud rapper, which I don't knock anybody for doing, but. Do you know how to invest? Do you know how to make your money last, not just right now, but later on? And if the answer is no, then I think you need to pick up on some of the, unfortunately, some of these white people that are doing that. Some of these retired people, how do you retire at by the age of 40? How do you retire and not have to go back to work? Those are the things that I feel that we're not looking at as a, um, as, as black people, it's just like, I want to get my money right now. I want to have, you know, a lot of women. I want to have status. I want to have class, but I don't want to have longevity. I want it right now. And I think that's the difference between the mindset. I want to be rich right now. I want to have this right now and not future. And so I think you, that, go ahead. Sorry. I just want to say with all of that, do you think that that has played a toll on how vulnerable that you're able to be with somebody or just in general or how has that impacted you know your mental health at all my mental health definitely during COVID has rapidly declined um due to insecurities due to not having that interaction with people um and and not being um confident in myself confidence is what keeps us caged as African American um, black men as a whole. Whether you're not tall enough, you're not fast enough, you don't do this enough, you don't, you don't, you you don't, um, your extremities aren't long enough, aren't big enough, aren't you don't you don't know how to please, you don't. It's all of this. You don't. You don't. You can't. You can't. And it just creates all of this weight. Like I said earlier, you're at the bottom of the totem pole. And all of this stuff that you're trying to push away and try to get through and it becomes challenging we have to support you have to do this you have to do that it's an expectation that is unrealistic can i be vulnerable yes i know how to do that because i'm empathic so i can take the normal rules of society put that to the side the problem is finding people that you can be that way too i can't be that way all the time because someone might say, oh, you're a softie. And then someone might see that as a chance to, well, he's big. Let me go. If I can take him down, then I'll push myself up, crabs in a bucket. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be someone else's stepping stone. And that's where aggression comes out. That's where you always see the, the, the stigma. Well, Black people kill more Black people, you know, in gang violence and shooting than, than cops do. Yeah, because you conditioned us to do that. We've been mad. We're angry. So, of course, we're going to pop off. We're angry because we're not being heard. We're angry because we're not being validated. Unless we sell drugs, we rap, we play sports. That's it. Mm-hmm. Name, name. You guys all know Gordon Ramsay, right? You guys all see him. You know, he he's very vibrant. Name a professional black chef that you've seen. I know Emeril Lagasse. I know Paula Dean, but I couldn't tell you. I know Martha Stewart. I know Rachel Ray. I don't see one, and and not to not to say that they don't exist because they're on the Food Network. They're on on Chopped and all of this. I don't know one, but I can tell you who plays in the NBA. I can tell you who plays in the NFL. I can tell you who who plays in a setting that white people control. That's hard to to swallow, you know. And I know we're going to college. I know people are getting degrees, but they you don't see a black version of Elon Musk, black version of of the man that I forgot his name that runs Facebook, you know, or that ran MySpace. Where are our accomplishments? Our accomplishments are this rapper, he did a good job. Good job. Good job, future. Good job, Migos. Like, what about an architect? I don't know one. 
what about someone that's saving lives a doctor i don't know one i don't see any black doctors that are on this vaccine all of that mental health is just pushing me to be like i gotta do this if i want to make it because that's right. the only way otherwise you get swept under the rug i mean i've even realized that like the only time you really see like a black lawyer speaking on tv is only when a black man is killed and you like don't even know who these lawyers are until we have one of these big cases like i've been paying attention to benjamin crump because i've been seeing him on tv and it's been because more and more people have been getting killed so it's like it's like almost our downfall for black people or like us dying is plateauing his career because it's like they need his voice you know because not I mean no, if if he if he wasn't the voice then we wouldn't even we wouldn't even hear about it you know like right. and so that's kind of what i'm realizing like in the last you know year or so like i've seen one person on the news you know five times and the main t- reason i'm seeing him is because young black people keep getting shot So it's just like, I think, just like Zander said, I think one of the biggest misconceptions of a a Black man is insecurity and how much insecurity they have, not only being a Black man, but knowing as a Black man that your world is completely different. What white men have to go through is not even close. You know, maybe certain things are, but so much more mental anguish on your head and like, other things that you have to go through like you get pulled over and you're automatically like you know scared and i've i've grown up my whole life like i've had family in and out of jail so i've been i've been literally raised to not ever deal with the police and i mean it's just like that's just how it is like i can't i've been raised in a point where i can never see them ever helping me and I say that because like, I've been a child where the cops have come to my house and treated me like I was garbage. Like, you know, I've been 15 and had an officer not treat me like I'm a human being, you know? And this is a, this is a system. A lot of people who grow up with families like that deal with that, like deal with the police doing them, doing this to them for generations. So I see like what these people in smaller cities or like, when you see like the George Floyds and you see these people going through it, like I can understand because I've had a I've had a cousin who was a cop and he said even being a cop as a black man, like it's just not the same. Like it's a completely different job. I have the white people who don't necessarily want to let me in, and I have my own people who don't even want to trust me because I'm a police officer. And so a lot of those insecurities definitely like you know, eventually take a toll on people, you know, like, um, I would love to be able to call the police, but I know the police are going to look up my last name and I might be going to jail based on what somebody else has done just because we're all connected. You know what I mean? And it's just like, that's kind of how, um, wow, look at this. I've, I've grown up seeing stuff like that. And I've realized like the ways that I can, you know, make a change for a lot of that is, you know, tell, you know, explaining that to people, like letting people know, like, this is definitely a systematic problem. And I mean, I live in Utah, you know? So it's like, I, I sometimes am like mind boggled by the situations I've even had with the police Um, because, you know, it's just like, but you have issues like that that definitely take a toll and make you feel like even even though I'm trying to be normal, am I always going to have a situation with, you know, a situation that always makes me different regardless if, if I'm the same as everyone else, you know? Which, you know, through each of you sharing um, your thoughts and experiences on that. I know that I have to say, I did not know that it was still getting worse. You know, I know that, um, so I I have a black dad. 
obviously. Black grandfathers, black uncles, cousins, black brothers, three black nephews um, that I'm around constantly. And then, you know, having been in Utah and then coming um, to Tennessee, the South, um, it has been quite a an experience in terms of understanding, like, <clears throat> the space that you're occupying, right? And being more conscious and just even as a black woman, but knowing like when certain events take place, my first thought is, okay, my brother, like Terrence, make sure you're doing this, make sure you're not doing that. He's older than me. So, you know, of course he knows, right? But still feeling the need to say that because one of the things um, that I thought was improving, um, was black men being able to be more open um, with black women. And I don't say that as like an overall collective, right? Because we we also know that there's a lot going on. We're at some sort of inside intercultural war with each other right now. I don't know if y'all feel that, but that's something I felt, right? But, um, in feeling like, okay, well, at least if you have that partner, if you can't be vulnerable with the rest of the world, you can be vulnerable with that partner, which is something that, Miles, you said that you've done. Um, and at least trying to create those safe spaces or those places where you can feel vulnerable because, you know, the rest of the world has made it clear um, that you're not safe and that you do have that false um, sense of hope or a sense of security in a sense. Um, okay. Do we have another question? That I think I had a comment. I saw his face. Uh, <laughs> my face or not? My, um, the reason that, honestly, I, I respectfully disagree that when it comes to creating a safe space with your partner, and the only reason why I say that in a perfect world, that sounds amazing. But if you look at the divorce rate being over close to like 58%, over half, um, clearly, if you had the goal of creating a safe space, then why is there so much divorce amongst not just, you know, any of the other races, sure, but in, you know, the black community, you know, and the single mothers raising six, seven kids you know, single fathers that are raising kids, raising little girls, you know, a man, men know men, women know women. And I feel like in a relationship, oftentimes it's hard to find someone that doesn't have these preconceived notions on what a black man should be. Um, and that's one of the issues that I have with dating. Um, and and it's, it's one of those, those stigmas that's challenging. It's like, if I tell you some sensitive information are you going to look at me different you know and i feel that you should have what mr miles and miss jasmine have that is the goal um unfortunately that is a dying way of thinking most people are like he got money i'm gonna be with him i don't care what his mental yeah. is he got money um you know and she got, you know, she looks aesthetically pleasing. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna get with her. I'm gonna, you know, I don't, I don't care if she's been hurt. You know, I'm, I'm a man. I'm a. Uh, it's just, it's such blanketed BS that we unfortunately succumb to, you know. And and I just think that I do like Clubhouse. You know, I've been learning about that a little bit and how people are coming together and kind of secretly having these meetings of yeah you feel like that oh i feel like that too i think that's great however the moment that that hits mainstream to a scene that we see it all the time people will be labeled oh they're crazy the moment that you become too aware that's when the white man comes in and it's like hey go back in your cage mm -hmm. you know and you see that by censoring of any sort or you see that as wow that that gentleman i mean he you see it as as almost patronizing if for me i never had an issue with cops i was always able to i've never been in the back of a police car um i've i've never been arrested funny story 
when I got to Texas, I was smoking hookah in my car in front of my house, right? And cop pulled me over. What? And mind you, I had a shirt on, had no shoes on, and I'm just smoking hookah, talking to friends on my phone. He rolls down the window, bunch of smoke goes out because they thought I was smoking weed, right? And then, and I blew it in his face because I was nonchalant. Rolled down the window, and then I just blew the smoke, and it all just went in his face. And he's like, "Oh, well, that's not weed." He said that. He said before license registration. Hi, my name is Charles. Whatever. It was. Oh, that's not weed. You had a preconceived notion that I was doing something illegal in front of my house, and I'm parked. What can you possibly say? And uh, and because I can talk the talk, because I sound like this, because I don't use a lot of slang terminology, which I do, but I've I've just kind of had to you know curtail that. They, we speak the same language, so now they're going to be like, oh well, this monkey can speak just like me. So let me go ahead and uh, I'm a little confused. I'm a little put off, and I'm like, officer, hello. What what seems to be the issue? Oh well. Um, we just got, you know, some. There was there was a call, and and I just wanted to come check it out. Um, I see that you're, you know, smoking hookah. You're not smoking weed. I'm like, it's a, it's a great. And he's like, yeah, well, that smells really good. And we started talking about his brother smoking vapes and things like that. He didn't ask for any registration, none of that. But because I didn't say, what's up? Can I help you, officer? Because I didn't come off with that aggression, and I dialed it back and I played their little game nothing happened he's like you have a great night sir but mind you if I would have been aggressive that conversation would have been totally different so but see even to that point I would argue that you had somebody who was also willing to meet you halfway because I know there are situations where black men are completely compliant. They aren't aggressive. They are um, very well-spoken, very well-educated, and it still goes left because that officer has already decided that this is how I'm going to handle that on arrival. Um, So I would also argue that, I mean, while you're taught that extra talk and how you have to conduct yourself, I would also say that at the end of the day, that's something that you ultimately have no control over at all. Um, like I've I've had a situation where I was driving home from the University of Utah. Mm-hmm. I was on like pretty much I was on Seventh East, so like you know, uh, going pretty much like a freeway going home, and I had an officer pull me over. He didn't ask me for my ID. He didn't ask me for anything. He asked me what I was doing in this area and I explained to him sir I'm leaving school I'm driving home I'm on the freeway so I can get home that's pretty much the, the main reason why I'm over here because I have somewhere else to go that's why you get on the freeway he then proceeded to tell me okay have a nice day didn't ask me why he pulled me over or anything just pulled me over checked probably realized I didn't have a warrant or uh checked my tags and realized they weren't expired and then proceeded to let me go but um for me it was just it's one of those situations where it's like he was gonna pull me over just because and there was no like he just wanted to see pretty much what i would do when he pulled me over like is he gonna start talking back to me and I'm gonna pull him out of his car, or is he gonna be able to talk to me like a, you know, the way I don't think he can talk? And yeah, for sure, like he heard me talk to him the way he probably didn't expect, and so yeah, he let me go, you know. And I, that's definitely uh, as sad as it is. You you almost have to always dial it back when you're dealing with the police because if you don't, I mean, the reality is uh, them feeling like you are an aggressor or you are agitated could scare them i always say they they treat us like we have uh superhuman strength like no if if they don't have an interaction with us they're already expecting the interaction to go bad Mm -hmm. planning that you know yeah 
I mean, we do. We live in a society where your skin is the weapon. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Your first weapon is your skin. Next could be your mannerisms, but sometimes that doesn't matter. When they kill people who are sleeping, they weren't seeing them, you know? So it's just, you know, it, it, sometimes it doesn't matter, but it is helpful that we unfortunately had to learn and speak code and do what we need to do to interact with some of these individuals. And, you know, there are there are individuals in every organization that are good and bad, right? I mean, there's some beautiful, beautiful um, people in Atlanta. Uh, shout out to the, some of the uniform officers in Atlanta. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys, but I'm also not kidding. But no, they're, they're good and bad in every organization. What um, it does is taxing on your mental health to have to think about it, like to have to think about it on a constant basis. Like Xander might not be worried, but if I heard he got pulled over, I know I'd be worried about him, even though, you know, he knows how to speak. He knows all of these things. He's funny. He's witty. Sometimes it doesn't matter. You catch him on a bad day. You, got, you, ca- you catch the wrong one. It doesn't matter. And then they'll spin the story however they want. Yes, you've never been in a cop car, but they'll find something you've done They'll say, you know, some of your cosplay activities are violent. Here, sprinkle some crack on you. <laughs> That's right. Like, oh lord! <laughs> there was smoke involved. There was also <laughs> these long weapons with lights on the end. Some of first, but you know, we know what those are for. Yeah, that's how happened. That's how happened. Pulled over on the opposite side of the street in Modesto because I was playing Pokemon Go. And I was walking down the street with a lightsaber and the cop was coming this way. I'm walking on the left side. He pulls on the going in the wrong direction of tra- oncoming traffic to pull up right next to me. And, and mind you, I had, sli- I had slides on. I'm not running anywhere. And I had jeans on and, a, and I just happened to have black shirt on, and no graphics. And he's like, oh, okay i know what that is now and he said that and he was like i thought it was a weapon and i'm like well technically it is a weapon and then um but it's weird it's weird i'm walking on an app playing pokemon go at nighttime and this man comes drives up turns his lights on on the wrong side of the street (laughs) for what for what? You see a long red baton and you think it's a, it's a, it's a, what am I going to do, officer? And, and then he's like, oh, have a good night and drove off. Why? Why? Why, why is that? Why? Even at a distance, you knew what it was. Come on. I guess call yourself blessed, Xander. Call yourself. <laughs> see, and I think it's those types of interactions, though, that do make it so much more taxing on your mental health because now you like you're automatically conditioned to be like afraid right like to think oh they're driving up to me not afraid is this gonna like turn into something more yeah tension is high yeah and especially like i remember i think it was after the trayvon martin case was happening or maybe it was mike brown but i had an interaction with a police officer right they were just pulling me over i wasn't wearing my seatbelt understandable i was on the freeway and and whatnot and i was thinking to myself like as i'm being pulled over like oh my goodness could this go left is this gonna go right is he gonna be rude is he gonna be nice like you know you're just all of all the scenarios are running through your head you're thinking like okay i gotta immediately find the badge number memorize that like put you know just in case you know turn my like call my mom like you know something so somebody knows what's going on and you know it ended up being a like a positive interaction but my whole thought process the entire time was like this is gonna go bad this is gonna go bad like I'm gonna have to defend myself blah blah blah, you know and then you're like it's like this short period of a really like high nervousness and then it's like gone and And some of it's just like worrying for others, honestly. Mm-hmm. I worry like similar to Shekinah, my dad is black, grandma's black, grandpa's black. Like I just worry like the people closest to me are. And just even just worrying about them it can be really tough. You know, can be really, really taxing. But I know we're coming up on time. And mm-hmm. I I have a question I wanted to ask you all related to this and what we've been talking about today. And we're again we're super fortunate to have you both here. 
but what motivates you all to talk about your health whether whether it be mental health your physical health emotional or spiritual what motivates you to talk about it and what are ways that you know you always hear about black girl magic black women trying to lift each other up do you see that as something that could happen for you all um yeah i do i feel like us as black men like I feel like a lot of us are going through the same situations and like we don't feel like we we forget that we're not the only ones i feel like that's kind of the biggest thing like when you're going through a situation you automatically feel like why am i always going through this and i have to always like broaden the horizons in my mind like there's somebody else going through the same thing probably worse um so I, as sad as it is i just try to look at the positives uh, of the situation and i feel like me talking about it might help somebody else that's going through the same thing you know my stance on it is very abstract um you ever sit up and watch like these movies and you have that one character that place is gonna blow leave me behind leave me behind save yourself they close the door the radiation gets them and their sacrifice creates a ripple effect that saves the crew. The reason why I talk about it is I feel I've already made peace that in this particular timeline that I'm going to live in, if I can touch one person to push them out of the way or to protect them from a blast of insecurity, a blast of negativity, if I can just absorb that just a little bit so that they have the ability to feel like, yo, you're not alone. Yo, it's okay to cry. Yo, it's okay to feel depressed. It's okay to feel sad. Somebody has to break the chain. Someone has to break the cycle. And if you look at every great leader that has been in the black culture, whether it's in the music industry or the acting industry, they are trying desperately to break those chains that can't be seen so that the next person has a little bit more leverage a little bit more maneuverability to to go that much further you know and that's why i personally do it i know that my time will be up at some point and i know that i'm no longer the quote unquote next generation i'm the current i've now become the current no one asks me anymore you know what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm grown up. Now I'm going to be whatever that, whatever I am currently. It's the next generation, which I feel that we're doomed considering what I'm looking at. You know, considering people are so busy on their phones. People are so busy with things. They're not awake. They're, they're, it's going back to everyone being controlled with simple. The white man is no longer has to have you so close to them. They can control you with Instagram, Facebook, Cosmo Magazine. And for us as Black men, we don't have an outlet. We really don't. We have certain aspects of, of, of what might seem to be an outlet. But honestly, that used to be church. And a lot of us don't go. That's, that's where our faith, that is what made us survive. That is what made us you know, be able to go through all of these harsh beatings, go through all of this harsh reality and still produce a LeBron James or a Barack Obama out of nothing, out of a concrete jungle. So is it getting better? No. Is it getting worse? Yes. Is Can it change? Yes. Will it change based on how everything is trending? No, it won't. It won't. Because it's, it's, it's been like this since we got here on those ships long ago. It's just a little bit more polished, a little bit more hidden, a little bit more, you know, all of this just separation, but it's still there. And each one, each one of you have experienced it, um, and especially men experience it. You see a, a man crying, yo, bro, go handle that. You see a woman crying, are you okay? Are you, like, do you need something? I can't, I, I don't get the same respect, which is why we get that $1 upcharge. It's the protection charge, and it's the, I now have a mental issue charge. I'm telling you, it's a thing. Mm -hmm.
I agree. I, w- I want somebody to be like, are you old? I want to be held. I want hugs. <laughs> you know? You might not hugs. be hanging around the right people, baby. You got to start <laughs> hanging around some new people because I've never, ever seen anybody crying and just been like, all right, let's handle that. Like, I'll always stop and be like. <laughs> I, I literally have seen girls like, like, oh my God, he's crying. I used to you know? be like, what? He is straight up crying. Oh no, girl, he's crying. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? You see, I feel like a lot of that. Like, I'm not saying that that's not the way it is, but I really feel like a lot of that comes down to your upbringing and like how your family raised you to interact and be. Right? Like, my family in particular, my parents raised me, um, for lack of a better word, not to be an asshole. You know what I mean? So I didn't go and bully people. I wasn't rude. I treated everybody with a certain level of respect, and my brother did too, you know? I mean, he was by all means the, the stereotypical quote-unquote black black man, um, black athlete. Um, so I feel like it depends on your region, depends on how you were raised, and, and you know, you can only respond to how, how you were brought up. You can't control those around you, but yeah. I agree, and I think like we talk about it a lot, but you know, actions of course speak louder than words. But all we can do is show that we're better, right? We, you know, as Black women, we support all, you know, everybody, but especially you know, other Black women and Black men in our life. Like, we're all about talking about it, but I do think we need to do it better. And yes, we may have some really bad examples of what that looks like. I know I did growing up, um, but you know, you just have to break that mold. Um, so challenge, like challenge that. Goal is, you know, you like Jasmine and Miles. <laughs> <But> also, <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> They're like, actually, you say I'm gonna be Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yes. Get um, me a Stedman. But we just gotta, we gotta be there for each other because who else will? I need a Stedman. That's the truth. You say you got a Stedman. I need a Stedman. Yeah, no. Well, you can't be Oprah with a Stedman. Oprah and Stedman aren't married. Yeah, what are you talking? About? You about to look Claire, Claire you wanna Clinton. Be, you want a Stedman? Then be, then then make make a billion dollars. You can have any anybody you you want with. Oh, with uh, he, be, he be telling me that he'd be like, you want a Stedman? Well, go go make a million dollars. I'll be your Stedman. Stupid. <laughs> Stedman got his own money though. That's what yeah, people sure. people be sleeping on Stedman. He he got money too. But you you're Claire and Cliff. We've already established the hooks, the boots. <laughs> oh Lord! All it right, takes work, y'all. <laughs> we'll find out next season. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> so we are going to come to a close. Again, I want to thank Mr. Xander, Mr. Miles, for taking time out of your day today um, to speak with us, to share your experiences, your thoughts, and opinions. Um, on these issues, on these topics. Um, It was very insightful, very eye-opening. I hope that for those that listen, um, that they can feel seen and heard um, through some of the words that you all said today. Um, And, you know, even if you don't necessarily agree with some of what was said, I hope that we can open up that discussion as well because the point of the podcast um, as it was originated was to discuss that we as black people are not a monolith right we don't all do share eat speak the same things um, and we don't all have the exact same experience although the beautiful thing about our culture is that there are many shared experiences across this world um, so we're gonna do one last question. This is a quick question. Don't think too hard on it. Not super philosophical. It's how we end every episode. Um, it is why does black health matter to you? And this is more of a like first thing that pops in your head type of thing. Okay. So we are going to give the courtesy to our guests first, and then we will end it with our ladies and our couples. Mr. Miles, why does black health matter to you? 
Um, black health matters to me because it is something that um, we all have to be mindful of. I have to be mindful of to make sure I'm taking care of myself. But also it gives me a, a leveling chip to just, I have to assess, you know, mm-hmm. where is my health and, and am I taking care of myself? I love it. Mr. Xander, why does it matter to you? Black health matters to me because it's an extension of me. Um, And in order for me to leave a lasting impression on this planet, I need to be able to pass that down to the next generation so that us as a whole can flourish. I want us to be successful. I want us to, to not I want that gap to get smaller and smaller until, and, and I know it's, and it, it, it's one of those things that may never happen in my lifetime or the next lifetime or the following, but whatever I can do to make that gap between us and them, unfortunately, I'm going to do my part. I love it. Thank you. Mr. Shell, why does Black Health matter to you? Black health matters to me um, because, you know, it's, it's, it's an everyday thing, right? And if anything goes wrong when it comes to my health, C's health, regardless, I'm going to be blamed, whether it has to do with, you know, institutional barrier, like institutional inequality, structural inequality, structural racism, we're still going to be blamed for whatever goes wrong with us. And so that's why it matters to me. So... I know, like, at the end of the day, I did what I could. Mm-hmm. I love it. Miss Jasmine, why does Black Health matter to you? Black Health matters to me because everybody deserves to have the option to have the proper care that they deserve. I love it. Thank you. And Black Black health matters to me because I feel that everybody needs to see themselves um, reflected in our society and feel that they can, you know, live a quality life with access to everything that they need and not fear the absolute worst from an institution that was supposed to do no harm mm-hmm. um, but they never said for who so you know asterisk anyways thank y'all for being here once again um, we hopefully will have you again on other seasons other episodes um, and we hope y'all love it Bye. Bye.